When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You are listening to the Thoughts from a Page podcast, which is a member of the Evergreen Podcasts Network. My name is Cindy Burnett, and I love to talk about books with anyone and everyone. While listening to my podcast, you will hear author interviews, behind-the-scenes conversations about various aspects of the publishing world, theme discussions with other book lovers, and more. For more book recommendations and a complete list of all of my interviews, check out my website, thoughtsfromapage.com, and follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Thoughts from a Page. In 2022, I would love for you to join my Patreon group. I offer at least two bonus episodes a month and a monthly advanced read and pre-publication author chat. For those on Facebook, I host a special Patreon Facebook group where we all chat books. Thanks so much to those who already participate, and I hope you will consider joining us. Today, Kelly Hooker is back to chat with me about our favorite books published during April through June of 2022. Kelly is an avid reader, reviewer, and bookstagrammer. She works part-time as a speech pathologist in Michigan, and she has two toddler boys and firmly believes that nap time is for novels. She is an audiobook enthusiast and loves hosting book club reads and author events. She creates wonderful seasonal reading guides to help readers pick up the right book at the right time. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome, Kelly. How are you today? I'm doing great, Cindy. Thank you for having me. How are you? I'm doing great as well, and I am so glad you are back. It was really fun to do our recap of our favorite January through March 2022 books, and I'm glad you're back to now talk about April through June 2022 books. I am so thrilled to be here. There are just quite a crop of amazing books that um, I've read during this time, and I know you have too, so I can't wait to chat about them. I had a really hard time getting down to 10 for this window of time. There were a ton of good books that came out. Yeah, I had the same problem. It's a great problem to have. (laughs) Absolutely. And for January through March, you had some dreary reads. And we talked a little bit about that, some heavier books. Have you found the same thing from April through June? Or how do you feel like these books are for you? I'm a much more lighthearted gal (laughs) for these (laughs) three months. And I was thinking as I was putting this list together, I'm like, oh, good. I'm not so doom and gloom. Like I have some really rays of sunshine in this list. So I was happy about that. (laughs) Well, there's absolutely nothing wrong with doom and gloom. It's nice to spread across a wide range of stories. I just remember we talked that you had drearier reads than you sometimes read. And I was curious to see if that was continuing for you. Nope. I think just being in summer reading mode, you know, kind of naturally lends itself to a little bit light, light hearted reads. So I'm excited about that. (laughs) I think that's exactly right. I do think as we head into summer, 
There are a lot more summer reads or beach reads or whatever you want to call them. And so reading is going to be a little bit lighter. Yeah, exactly. I'll be so curious to see if we have any overlap because I know you and I have been chatting about all sorts of books in this time period. So I can't wait to hear what's on your list and see if we match up at all. Yes, you've been so helpful in guiding my reading these last few months. Um, So I'm sure we'll have a few that are similar, but I'll be curious to hear your thoughts. And vice versa. I always look for your recommendations and your reviews, and it helps guide my reading as well. Well, likewise. Thank you. Sure. Well, why don't we start and you go first, and we're going to go in date order. So in the window of April through June, we're going to go through our top 10 each, and we're going to do them by publication date. Okay. First up for me is Cover Story by Susan Rigetti. This came out on April 5th. This book took Bookstagram by storm. It was one of those books that I was all of a sudden just seeing it everywhere. And sometimes I have a hard time with books that have gotten a lot of hype because my expectations are so high and then I feel like I get let down a little bit. But this is one that I felt was so worth the hype. I think it's best to go in as blind as possible. So I'm going to be really intentionally vague in how I describe the story here. So the story follows Laura Ricci and her summer internship at Elle magazine. And while she's doing her internship, Laura finds herself in the orbit of this glamorous heiress, Cat Wolf. And as their friendship evolves, Laura's life begins to unravel. So that's all I'm going to say about it. This book is just begging to be binged poolside because it's such a quick read. The story is told through diary entries, texts, and emails. So there is a lot of white space on the page. So it just makes for a super quick read. The ending had me absolutely reeling. I had to flip back through the pages and just really try to attempt to untangle what had actually happened. So I'd highly recommend reading this with a friend because you'll definitely want to chat about the ending. And I also want to say I'm normally an audiobook evangelist, but this book was a disaster on audio. I felt like I was breaking my ears listening because each of the emails and texts has timestamps and subject lines, and it's very repetitive and redundant for your ears. So I switched to the print copy, and it was a total game changer. So be sure to pick up Cover Story by Susan Rigetti in print for a quick poolside read that absolutely lives up to the hype. I loved that book, and it just barely didn't make my top 10. There were several that I was on the fence about, and I was making my list and trying to decide you know, what they would be. And I figured you might mention that one, but it is a great read. I loved the format of this one, the multimedia, in terms of having texts and emails and journal entries and everything that was included was just phenomenal. It's a great read. And I can see where it would be very difficult on audio. (laughs) Yeah, don't do it. Don't do it. (laughs) I'm glad that you enjoyed it too. Yeah, it was great. What is your first book? So my first book is True Biz by Sarah Novick, and it came out on April 5th. So this one is about the deaf community, and I have to say, after I read this book, I was embarrassed about how little I knew about that group. So I just felt like I learned a ton. It was definitely an engaging read, and I feel like I will now, going forward, understand things a little bit better when I'm hearing about sign language and cochlear implants and things like that. The students at the River Valley School for the Deaf just want to hook up, pass their history final, and have doctors, politicians, and their parents stop telling them what to do with their bodies. This novel plunges readers into the halls of a residential school for the deaf, where they meet Charlie, a rebellious transfer student who's never met another deaf person before, 
Austin, the school's golden boy, whose world is rocked when his baby sister is born hearing, and February, the headmistress, who is fighting to keep her school open and her marriage intact, but might not be able to do both. As a series of crises, both personal and political, threaten to unravel each of them, Charlie, Austin, and February find their lives inextricably linked with each other and changed forever. As I mentioned before, while reading this compelling novel, I learned so much about sign language and lip reading, cochlear implants and the controversy surrounding them, isolation and its impact on those experiencing it, and the importance of community. This unforgettable journey about the deaf community is riveting and opened my eyes to a world with which I was completely unfamiliar. It would also make a great pairing with the movie Coda. My family watched it soon after I had read True Biz, and I feel like it really on the screen brought to life some of what I had read in True Biz. I just can't recommend this one enough. I thought it was fantastic. And that's True Biz by Sarah Novick, and it came out on April 5th. This one sounds so interesting to me. I'm a speech pathologist, and I don't personally work with the deaf population. But in grad school, I took a few American Sign Language classes and learned a lot about the cochlear implants. And so I do think that this is going to be right up my alley. I just haven't gotten to it yet. So I'm so glad to hear that you really liked it. I did. I didn't really realize there was some controversy regarding sign language. Like some people in the deaf community don't want people to learn it. And some do. And then also the idea of somebody being born hearing and a family that's all deaf. It was all just completely fascinating. I think so too. And I, yeah, I can see how this would make a great book club pick. Absolutely. So what's up next for you? Next for me is Take My Hand by Dolan Perkins Valdez. And this came out on April 12th. This is based on the true story of a historic women's rights case and follows family planning nurse Civil Townsend in 1970s Alabama. So the Williams sisters are two of Civil's patients who were involuntarily sterilized simply because they were poor and black. So Civil seeks justice for this horribly unjust act and takes the Williams sisters' story to Washington, D.C. And this ultimately becomes the catalyst for a monumental women's rights case. The story really encouraged me to consider ongoing racial disparities in medical care and Just the author's note really had some great information and encouraged me to further educate myself on involuntary sterilizations that continue to persist in America. I was surprised to learn that there are still some sterilizations that are permitted under federal law. I just really liked how the author explored questions of equity and women's rights and socioeconomic status in a really thoughtful way. And I do love historical fiction. So when I can learn something that's so applicable today through a story, and through somebody else's lens. I just really appreciate that. So I was deeply invested in the characters. The writing was great. I thought the audiobook was well done. If you enjoy Diane Chamberlain's Necessary Lies, or just in general stories of women seeking justice and kind of making waves, Take My Hand by Dolan Perkins Valdez will be a win for you as well. Take My Hand is also in my top 10. So I'm so glad you mentioned it. So that's our first overlap, Kelly. And I'll be curious to see if we have any more. I just loved it. It's incredibly sad, but it's a beautiful story and certainly a portion of history that everybody needs to know about. And that cover. Yes, I was going to say, I bet you appreciate the cover because it's gorgeous. It is just stunning. You know, she did so much research and it really shows it's even more timely than it was when she first wrote it. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. Just kind of the timing 
of releasing a book like that. You never know what world that your book is going to be entering into. And I think you're right. It's so, so timely. It definitely is. And I rarely listen to fiction on audiobook, but I did actually listen to this one and I thought it was outstanding. I actually read it and then I went back and listened to it because I thought the book was so good and both ways are fabulous. Oh, wow. You're really branching out with your audiobook fiction. I love it. I'm trying. It's really coming and going depending on everything that's happening as to how much time I can do audiobooks, but I'm trying to incorporate them. Well, that is great. What is your next read, Cindy? So my next one is Bomb Shelter, Love, Time, and Other Explosives by Mary Laura Philpott, which came out on April 12th. I am a huge fan of Mary Laura Philpott. I have been since her last book, I Miss You When I Blink. I love reading her New York Times columns. I just think she is fabulous. So I was so excited when she had a new book coming out. A lifelong worrier, Mary Laura Philpott always kept an eye out for danger, a habit that only intensified when she became a parent. But she looked on the bright side too believing that as long as she cared enough, she could keep her loved ones safe. Then in the dark of one quiet pre-dawn morning, she woke abruptly to a terrible sound and found her teenage son unconscious on the floor. In the aftermath of a crisis that darkened her signature sunny spirit, she wondered, if this happened, what else could happen? And how do any of us keep going when we can't know for sure what's coming next? I thought Mary Laura Philpott's new essay collection was outstanding. I loved it even more than I loved I Miss You When I Blink. Her humor, hope, and insightfulness will resonate with anyone who has struggled to understand life, death, and the last few years. Centered around her response to her son's epilepsy diagnosis, Bomb Shelter tackles serious topics but laces them with funny anecdotes about the turtle who lives in her yard, who's named Frank, and knocks on her back door, college tours, and her inability to keep pet frogs alive. Reading Bomb Shelter feels like spending time with a close friend, and when you are done, you will wish you were friends. Her can-do attitude and positive outlook are so refreshing, and it is always comforting for me to find that someone else worries as much as I do. And this is Bomb Shelter, Love, Time, and Other Explosives by Mary Laura Philpott. I loved that one, too. I did the audio book, and she narrates that, and it just missed my top 10. But I agree. It felt like you're just having a conversation with a friend, and I'm also a mom who worries, but her kids are a bit older than mine. And it just felt nice to know that, not that I'll probably still be worrying like when my kids are older too, but even if I am, it'll be okay. You know, it just, I I think that really resonated with me too. And she was posting on her Instagram account while she was recording the audiobook about how interesting it was to record it in Nashville in a big sound studio where all these musicians were and what she learned about that process. And then when I interviewed her, we talked about that. She's just delightful. And I As I said, I just really enjoy anything she writes, and I feel like we would be friends if she lived near me. Oh, absolutely. Okay, what's up next for you? The Unknown Beloved by Amy Harmon, and it came out April 19th. In my opinion, The Songbook of Benny Lament by Amy Harmon was one of the most underrated gems of last year, so I couldn't wait to get my hands on her latest, The Unknown Beloved. This is a fictional story. But it's based on a true crime cold case that happened during the Great Depression. So this is truly a mashup of genres. And I think this book can be a little tricky to describe, but I'm going to do my best. So I'm calling this a true crime historical mystery infused with supernatural elements and an unconventional love story. (laughs) (laughs) That is hard to describe. But in short, you should know that this book is just so atmospheric and unique. 
The story follows Detective Michael Malone after he recently put Al Capone behind bars. He then finds himself in Cleveland and he's investigating the infamous Torso Murders serial killer who has evaded Elliot Ness and local law enforcement. So the Torso Murders and Elliot Ness are real historical people and events. While in Cleveland, Michael crosses paths with a woman that he knew years ago. And this woman has some supernatural abilities that could help put a stop to this madman that's plaguing the city. So the novel starts off with a tragedy, and then it kind of leisurely meanders its way to a really fast-paced, compelling conclusion. So the pacing is a little bit different here. But despite that, I just felt that I was so immersed in 1930s Cleveland and just the direction that she took the story was, I've never read anything like it. So I found Amy Harmon's author note about the real torso killer case really fascinating. And I loved how she paid homage to public servants that are committed to keeping our communities safe. So if you're looking for a truly unique summer read, pick up The Unknown Beloved by Amy Harmon. I don't think I'm even familiar with that book. Yeah, she, last year, did you read the songbook of Benny Lament? No, I'm, I am familiar with it, but I did not read it. Okay, I felt like that one really flew under the radar. And I think this one is really flying under the radar too. But it's so cool. I, I really think a lot of people will like it if you kind of know that it's just a little bit strange, but very unique and good. I love those under the radar picks, you know, books that you're not seeing everywhere, but that are really good. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Good. What book is next for you, Cindy? So my next book is Marrying the Ketchups by Jennifer Close, which came out on April 26th. This is definitely a bookstagram made me do it. I was not familiar with Jennifer Close. And somehow this book had slipped by me pre-publication, but around the time it was coming out, I felt like it was everywhere. Almost every post I saw seemed to have Marrying the Ketchups in it, and I love the cover, so of course it caught my eye. And I went to college in Chicago, so the more I learned about the book, which is set in Chicago, the more I felt maybe I need to try this one out. And I'm so glad I did because I loved it. It's a family saga, and I really enjoy family sagas as long as they don't get too dark. I love seeing the way different members of families interact with each other and the ramifications sometimes of things that happen when children are young and how they reverberate down the years. So here are the three things the Sullivan family knows to be true. The Chicago Cubs will always be the underdogs. Historical progress is inevitable. And their grandfather, Bud, founder of J.P. Sullivan's, will always make the best burgers in Oak Park. But when over the course of three strange months, the Cubs win the World Series, Trump is elected president, and Bud drops dead, suddenly everyone in the family finds themselves doubting all they hold dear. How can any of them be expected to make the right decisions when the world feels sideways, and the bartender at J.P. Sullivan's makes such strong cocktails? The premise of this one drew me right in, and I completely related to various aspects of the book, including the way clothes presented family dynamics and interactions and the way they are cemented early on in life. And Close's sense of humor is fantastic. I laughed out loud so many times while reading this book. Having lived in Chicago, I loved the Oak Park setting and the Cubs references. And I actually was in Chicago when the Cubs were making their way to the World Series and got to watch a lot of the games in local bars, which was so much fun. So I really enjoyed that aspect of it as well. I think for anybody that struggled in 2016, trying to understand everything that was happening she really brings that to life. So at times I was like, oh, I hate to go back to that era. But on the other hand, it really sort of helped me work through some of those unresolved issues that I occasionally still have about it all. 
I think this is an outstanding book and a great book about family. And if you enjoy those types of stories, this is the one for you. And I was not aware of what marrying the ketchups meant until this book came out. And so it's a reference which doesn't happen anymore because of uh, safety concerns and food issues. But you used to marry the ketchups at the end of a work shift at a restaurant. You would go around and combine all of the ketchup bottles together so they would be full again. And that's what marrying the ketchups means. And this book is Marrying the Ketchups by Jennifer Close, and it came out April 26th. That sounds so good. I am wondering if you felt like it was comparable to uh, We Are the Brennans. I've seen a lot of comparisons between the two. I don't really think, other than they are both family sagas, I didn't feel that they were that similar. I loved We Are the Brennans as well, but I probably liked Marrying the Ketchups even better. I really feel like Marrying the Ketchups focuses more on a time period and everything that was happening then versus We Are the Brennans focused on a family event and how that impacted everything. Okay. I was just wondering with like the family restaurant ties, if you felt that they were similar, but I'll definitely pick up Marrying the Ketchups because I really enjoyed We Are the Brennans. So that's a good recommendation. I can't wait to hear what you think on that one. What's up next for you? Okay. Next up is my only five-star read of these April through June releases. And it's Every Summer After by Carly Fortune. And this came out on May 10th. So in the last episode that we recorded, I had so many heavy reads and I was really on a quest to find just some lighthearted summer reads and every summer after certainly delivered. So I was shocked that I gave a five-star rating to a romance read because first of all, I don't read romance often. And so I didn't know if I was even qualified, I guess you could say, to give a five-star rating when I haven't read much in the genre. But this book just left me feeling so nostalgic for summertime at the lake and the Canadian setting felt really similar to where I'm at in Michigan. So I don't know if that's why I was drawn to it. But here's a little bit about the story. Percy Fraser returns to her childhood summer lake town after the death of a beloved family friend. And when she arrives in this Barry's Bay small lake town, She's faced with a mistake from her past that cost her the love of her life, Sam Florick, many years ago. The story is told in dual timelines over the course of six summers, and then also a present-day weekend. And Sam and Percy's worlds collide when they're, I think they're like in their early 30s or late 20s again. I just loved following Sam and Percy each summer as they navigated their complicated relationship through adolescence and then into adulthood. And I will say that steamy scenes aren't typically my type of read, but I just thought that there was so much more to the story that was going on that the open door scenes didn't bother me. So the small town tourist setting was just everything I wanted in a summer read. The characters, I thought they were flawed, but they were really easy to extend grace towards despite their mistakes from their adolescence. This was a debut, and it really opened my mind to the romance genre. And since then, since reading this, I've picked up a few other lighthearted romance reads that I don't think I normally would have. And so that's been fun, too, just to discover some books that that really work for me. So I also had the opportunity to host an author chat and book club with Carly, and she is just such a delight. And she's working on her second book right now, so I think it'll be fun to see what she does next. And that was Every Summer After by Carly Fortune. Talk about a book that is all over Bookstagram and has been long before the book came out. I mean, I can remember seeing that book 
everywhere. Everybody's been raving about it. And she hit the New York Times bestseller list, which I thought was fantastic. It's so fun to see a debut author take off like that. This book was recommended to me by Elizabeth Barnhill from Fabled Bookshop. And she also said that she doesn't typically read romance, but this one really resonated with her too. So I think it was a great recommendation and really worked well for me. I think there are several really great romance books that are coming out this summer because I don't read much of that either. But it's been really fun to see some that are smart and have great dialogue and really seem to be resonating with readers. Yeah. Well, what's next for you, Cindy? So my next one is Bloomsbury Girls by Natalie Jenner, which came out on May 17th. I am a huge Natalie Jenner fan. I loved the Jane Austen Society and could not wait to get my hands on Bloomsbury Girls, and it totally did not disappoint. I just thought it was even better than the Jane Austen Society, and I absolutely adored it. So a little bit more about the story. Bloomsbury Books is an old-fashioned, new, and rare bookstore that has persisted and resisted change for a hundred years, run by men and guided by the general manager's unbreakable 51 rules. But in 1950, the world is changing, especially the world of books and publishing. And at Bloomsbury Books, the three women in the shop, Vivian, Grace, and Evie, who's from the Jane Austen Society, have plans of their own that unfold as the story progresses. As they interact with various literary figures of the time, Daphne du Maurier, Ellen Doubleday, Sonia Blair, widow of George Orwell, Samuel Beckett, Peggy Guggenheim, and others, these three women, with their complex web of relationships, goals, and dreams, are all working to plot out a future that is richer and more rewarding than anything society will allow. I am a huge fan of books with literary settings, and this one met all of my expectations. The book held my attention from beginning to end, and I was so sad when it was over. I truly loved everything about it, from the setting, to the characters, to the book's resolution. One of my favorite aspects of the book was the famous literary characters and their roles in the story. I love learning more about Daphne du Maurier and Ellen Doubleday particularly and I think it's the perfect novel for book lovers. It was also really fun to have Evie carry over from the Jane Austen Society and have little references to that book as well, almost little Easter eggs. So I highly recommend this one if you like historical fiction and if you like literary settings. And that's The Bloomsbury Girls by Natalie Jenner, and it came out on May 17th. Oh, that sounds like your perfect book. That sounds right up your alley and definitely one that I would like to check out too. I haven't read The Jane Austen Society. But I think that's fun when you've read both books and you can kind of pick up on those little literary nuggets. And I like the way authors do that, where it's really, it's not a sequel. They're standalone books, but it is fun to see a character that was in a previous novel. Yeah, I think so too. So what's up next for you? Next up is Hidden Pictures by Jason Rakulik, and this came out on May 10th. I didn't know that it was possible to be thoroughly creeped out by a young boy's artistic talents, but here we are. Hidden Pictures is this spine-tingling story that follows Mallory Quinn, and she takes a job as a summer nanny for a little boy named Teddy Maxwell. And Teddy loves to draw, and he's rarely without his sketch pad. But his innocent drawings of nature and toys become increasingly sinister, and they start to depict a man dragging a woman's body through the woods, and also this mysterious imaginary friend. So this book is so chilling and it kept me flipping the pages. You do have to suspend a bit of disbelief because there are some supernatural elements, but if you're willing to just go along for this wild ride, you won't be disappointed. So I would strongly encourage readers to read this in a print format. I initially started reading with the audiobook, 
but I'm so glad that I switched to the physical copy because the pictures are really frequent and they're interspersed throughout the book and they play a key role in the story. And so with the audiobook, they kind of describe the pictures a little bit, but you don't get truly how creepy they are until I saw them in the book. I'm like, oh my, this really ramped ramped things up for me a little bit and just made it more intense. So I think readers looking for a unique thriller to keep them turning pages will want to pick up Hidden Pictures by Jason Rakulik. Well, you know me and my avoidance of things that are described as chilling. So I had avoided this one and I plan to because I think it's just way too creepy for me. But I was recently at Murder by the Book with Elizabeth Barnhill. We had gone to see Riley Sager speak and she highlighted the book and she said, look through it. And so I started looking through it and I was like, oh my gosh, and the pictures do get pretty creepy. And so what a clever format. Again, I love those books where they're not just straight through print told in you know third person or first person but instead incorporate things like drawings or other things. And I just thought he did a great job with that. Yeah. I wanted to mention too, that when I picked this book up from the library, it had a tag on it that said horror. And I was like, oh no, I definitely would not have picked it up if it was categorized that way. I definitely think it's more of like a creepy thriller. I don't know what constitutes like a horror book, but it didn't strike me as that. So I'm not sure if that's helpful to anybody, but I just wanted to mention that I was surprised that it was cataloged as a horror book. I think that is helpful because some people do shy away from horror, but don't mind creepy thrillers at all. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Well, what is your next read? So my next book is definitely one that I have not seen much about, and I really enjoyed it. And it's The Evening Hero by Marie Myung Oak Lee, and it came out on May 24th. So this book is about a man who immigrated to Minnesota from North Korea in, I think, the 1950s. It flashes back and forth in time, but it is mainly set in the present. However, it does go back and talk about why he came over and what happened as a result of that. Dr. Youngman Kwok is in the twilight of his life. Every day for the last 50 years, he has brushed his teeth, slipped on his shoes, and headed to Horse's Breath General Hospital. Whereas an obstetrician, he treats the women and babies of the small, rural Minnesota town he chose to call home. This was the life he longed for, the so-called American dream. He immigrated from Korea after the Korean War, forced to leave his family, ancestors, village, and all that he knew behind. But he builds his life on a lie, and one day a letter arrives that threatens to expose it. Youngman's life is thrown into chaos. The hospital abruptly closes, his wife refuses to spend time with him, and his son is busy investing in a struggling health startup. Youngman faces a choice. He must choose to hide his secret from his family and friends or confess and potentially lose all that he's built. He begins to question the very assumptions on which his life is built. The so-called American dream, with the abject failure of its healthcare system, patients and neighbors who perpetuate racism, and a history that doesn't see him in it. I thought this book was absolutely fascinating. There is so much in it in terms of dealing with racism and immigration and our current healthcare system, but she weaves it all together so naturally and you don't feel like it is any longer than it needs to be. My favorite thing about the book was learning so much about Korea and its history, particularly North Korea. She also addresses our crazy healthcare system and the direction it is taking, the state of rural healthcare, what it is like to be an immigrant in the United States, and so much more. I really enjoyed speaking with her for my podcast, and I particularly loved hearing about her surreal trip to North Korea and how she based the book on her own experiences growing up. So I just can't recommend this one enough, especially if you're not familiar with North Korea. 
because it really does shine a light on what it is like there. And then also the immigrant experience and where our healthcare system is going. That part was a little frightening, actually, but I do highly recommend the book. And that's The Evening Hero by Marie Myung Oakley, and it came out May 24th. Wow. Talk about an underrated gem or just an under-the-radar read. I had not heard of that until your podcast, and I really haven't seen any reviews or much talk about it, but it sounds great. I agree. I haven't seen it anywhere, and I thought it was just outstanding. And she's a professor at Columbia in New York City, and she just had so many interesting things to say in our interview and wove in a lot of interesting stories to the book. And I think, again, as I said, if you really are looking for something that's off the beaten path and maybe something you don't know a lot about, it's a great choice for that. Yeah, I love when authors can give us a window into their own personal history or just really transport you to a time and place that you haven't explored before. So that sounds like a perfect pick. What's next for you? Next for me is Take Your Breath Away by Linwood Barkley, and this came out on May 17th. So earlier this spring, I was in a big reading slump, and this was just the book to pull me out of it. I thought it was so clever and twisty. The story is about the unexplained disappearance of Andrew Carville's wife, and after his wife disappears, his life is really in shambles. Six years later, her disappearance remains unsolved despite accusations of Andrew's guilt, because people always think it's the husband or the boyfriend, you know? So he has worked so hard to build this new life, and he's got a new romantic interest. But then multiple sightings of his missing wife are reported. So is she back? Where's she been? What in the world is going on? My mind was reeling at every turn as I tried to piece together what had actually happened and who was responsible. I thought Barkley was so masterful at leading me down multiple paths of suspicion with just a large cast of potential suspects. And because of that, I just wasn't ever quite sure who could be trusted. And each of my elaborate theories for the disappearance had turned out to be dead wrong, which I'm usually wrong. And I like that about myself because it keeps things more interesting, I think, in my reading if I don't know the answer. But take that with a grain of salt. So I received an early copy of this book through your Patreon Early Readers Program. And through that, we were able to talk with Linwood Barkley. And I just thought it was so fascinating to hear about how he crafted this really interesting premise. Overall, while I had to suspend a little bit of disbelief with this book, I was still highly entertained. If you're looking for a slump buster in your reading, Take Your Breath Away by Linwood Barkley is just the book to boost you out of that reading rut. I loved this book so much, and it also was on my list for quite some time. And then at the end, I had just read something recently that's going to be my very last book, which just narrowly bumped it off. But I thought it was so good. It will definitely be one of my favorite thrillers of the year. I loved the premise because it was so unique. And I felt like you did have to suspend disbelief a little bit, but a lot less than in most thrillers, which I loved because I feel like in a lot of thrillers, you're like, there's no way that would ever happen. You know, and this one, at least most of it, you're like, oh, that is such a clever premise. And I just kept wondering, like, is Brie back or is, you know, something else happening? And I just thought it was so well done. And I agree completely that talking to him was fascinating because it was interesting to hear how he came up with the premise, how he developed it. And also it made me want to add a lot of his earlier books to my list. So I can't wait to go back and read some of his earlier stories because this was my first one by him. But like I said earlier, there are just so darn many good books coming out. And that one, that and cover story just eked off my list. I could have done a top 15 with no problem. Easily, easily. Yeah. Well, what is next for you? 
So earlier we were talking about romance and how we're not big romance readers. And so this is another bookstagram made me do it. And I'm so glad I did. This one is Nora Goes Off Script by Annabelle Monahan, and it came out June 7th. So this book was another one like Carly Fortune's book that people were posting about right and left for months ahead. And I kept thinking, oh, I'm not really a romance reader. And this one sounds cute, but it's probably not my book. And then Pamela Klingerhorn and Mary Weber O'Malley came on my show and recommended it for summer. And they rarely recommend romance. And then I kept seeing other people say, oh, you really have to try it. And I'm so glad I did. I just absolutely loved this book. In this absolutely delightful romantic comedy, Nora Hamilton writes formulaic scripts for a Hallmark-like channel. But when her husband leaves her and her two children, she minds her experiences and creates a fabulous script that gets picked up for the big screen. The movie is filmed at her home, and Leo Vance, America's latest heartthrob, is cast as Nora's worthless husband. But when the filming wraps, Leo asks if he can stay on as a renter for a week to enjoy the peace and quiet, and against her better judgment, she agrees. He'll pay $1,000 a day to stay for a week. The extra seven grand would give Nora breathing room. Seven days. It's the blink of an eye or an eternity, depending on how you look at it. No one is more surprised than Nora when Leo bonds with her kids and runs errands with her in town. Monahan creates a heartwarming, hilarious, and charming story that kept me completely engaged as I rooted for Leo and Nora. Monahan's writing is exemplary, and the conflict is resolved in a thoughtful and creative way. As I was reading and they get to the part where, you know, they inevitably have to split because it's a romance, I kept thinking, I wonder what happened here and like, how is this going to develop? And I just absolutely love the way she resolved all of that and the reason that they did end up splitting. I thought it was very well done. And she is so darn funny. There are so many times when I was laughing out loud and she's just creative. And I just, I really thoroughly love this one, which as we were talking earlier, Surprise me because I'm not usually a romance reader, but I think this is well worth it. It is an entertaining and fun book, and I read it in less than a day. That's Nora Goes Off Script by Annabelle Monahan, and it came out June 7th. Oh, that's perfect. This was my next pick as well. And like you, it was such a sweet surprise for me. And I think that having a little bit of mystery as to like what happened here just kind of kept the story moving along for me. I will say too, I have had pregnancy insomnia and I read this book strictly between the hours of like 3 a.m. and 5 a.m. And I thought surely any book I read at this hour like isn't going to be great for me because I'm just annoyed that I can't sleep. But I still loved it. And I think that that's saying a lot. So I thought this is a great pick. I didn't find it cheesy or over the top. And it was just this big hearted story about finding happiness. And I thought it was so sweet. I agree completely. I just thought it was so well done. It's a perfect summer read. Absolutely. So what's next for you? This one came to me highly recommended from you. So I'm not sure if it made your list or not. I'll be curious to see. But it's The Local by Joey Hartstone, and it came out on June 14th. Okay, this was my next one. I knew at some point we were going to start lining up more. This is a debut set in East Texas and follows James Euchre and his career as a well-established patent attorney turned criminal defense attorney. When a prominent judge is murdered, Euchre is left to sift through these murky motivations and potential suspects in his small town. And I love a small town setting. So that was so fun here. Joey Hartstone, the author, he's a screenwriter. And I thought that it definitely was evident with this book. The writing was so cinematic. And so the story played out like a movie in my mind. I could just picture all of this happening in this gritty East Texas setting. I'm always interested in courtroom dramas, but I hadn't really heard much about the patent law before. 
And I just found that aspect of the story really fascinating. So I liked how the courtroom is the primary setting here. And then the criminal investigation kind of unfolds largely behind the scenes. So we're really in the courtroom a lot, which I loved. And if you're looking for a slow burn legal suspense, The Local by Joey Hartstone will be a great fit. I just love this book as well. I loved the setting, like you just mentioned. I love the whole patent law topic. Even though he's investigating a murder mystery and defending a client for murder, I love how the whole patent law setting has created this town that is focused only on all of these lawsuits. And people come from all over the country because these lawsuits happen now in Marshall, Texas, this tiny town. And I just thought all that was so interesting and that they all need local counsel to help them with the juries. Just everything about it was so well done. And I agree with you completely. Being a screenwriter, I felt like he was able to describe everything so well and I could completely visualize it. And I love the cover. Yeah, the cover is just like bright and vibrant and so good. With you being from Texas, did you know about Marshall, Texas and kind of the history with the patent law being so prominent there? I knew a little bit about it because I practiced law for a while, so people would reference it. They just talk about the Eastern District of Texas. So you don't really hear Marshall as much as you just talk about, as people just talk about the federal district court that is in the Eastern District and how it deals with all of these patent cases. So I'm not sure I connected up with Marshall or knew very much about Marshall. So I loved filling in all of those gaps. Oh, how fun. My husband read this one as well, and he is a picky reader, and he cannot stop raving about how good it was. Oh, fun. I love that you and your husband can share books. That's great. Yes, I can pass on most of the thrillers. He also loved the Linwood Barkley one. Those were two that have stood out this year because a lot of times he'll be like, yeah, it was good. And I'm like, no, no, that was great. But with both of those, he was like, those were great books with great premises. Oh, awesome. That's so fun. Okay. What is up next for you, Cindy? Okay. So the next one up for me is Last Summer on State Street by Toya Wolf, which came out on June 14th. This is a coming of age story about a 12-year-old girl named Fifi Stevens who lives in the Robert Taylor homes on the south side of Chicago in 1999, right as the buildings are slowly being torn down by the Chicago Housing Authority. The author herself lived in the Robert Taylor Homes, a public housing complex of over 20 high-rise buildings built to house low-income families in Chicago. The story is engaging, heartbreaking, and compelling, and Wolf vividly depicts what it was like to live there, the daily gun battles, the dangers involved in taking the elevator or the stairs, the lack of lighting provided, and more. It is a war zone. I lived in Chicago in the early 1990s, and I did my senior thesis on another housing complex there, Cabrini Green and how Operation Clean Sweep had impacted it. It was interesting to see that she highlighted Clean Sweep in the book as well. I think it can be interesting to pair fiction and nonfiction books on the same topic to provide more insight on a subject. That is particularly the case here. A great book to pair with Last Summer on State Street is High Risers, Cabrini Green, and the Fate of American Public Housing by Ben Austin. While High Risers is about Cabrini Green, the two complexes shared very similar fates and ultimately were both completely torn down a number of decades after they were built. High Risers charts the failure of the city of Chicago to fund the complexes, provide security for them, make sure there were grocery stores and other necessary stores nearby, and more, while the city government also made sure that Chicago remained racially segregated. This nonfiction book will provide a lot more context for what is happening in last summer on State Street. I loved Last Summer on State Street, but I feel like being able to fill in the gaps to understand like why the complexes were built and then why they came down not that many decades later, what that whole process was like, it would be really helpful to pair the two. 
I found last summer on State Street to be a well-crafted debut, and I look forward to reading her future work. And that is Last Summer on State Street by Toya Wolf, and it came out June 14th. Yes, this was on my list too. I loved this book. I loved that it almost, because the author is an own voices author and is writing based on kind of some of her own experiences growing up, it's a fictional story, but it almost read like a memoir in a way. And I loved how the character Fifi, we see her as an adult, and she offers kind of this hindsight and maturity to the story as she's reflecting back on her childhood. So I really liked that aspect as well. Like we kind of see her as she's coming of age, and then also we know how things play out for her. So I loved this one too. And I think that it's a quick read, but it's really moving and a lot of readers will really enjoy this one. I think so too. So when I lived in Chicago, we would sometimes go to Comiskey Park, which was the old ballpark for the Chicago White Sox. And you would take the subway and the stop would get off and then you would go on this really high elevated walkway that would take you actually through the Robert Taylor homes. I mean, there were like 20 buildings and they were kind of spread out, but you would walk on this long, long walkway to get to Comiskey. So I can remember walking through there and it was a little alarming at times because, I mean, you would hear gunfire and there would be stuff happening. And so it was just kind of interesting because that was as close as I ever got to them to then read this book and have her talking about, you know, what it was like to actually live there. And the other interesting part was I thought she brought to life so well was what it was like to live in a building when it was on its last leg, you know, describing what it was like as the building was emptying and there were fewer and fewer people there and where those people were going and her own concern with what was going to happen with them. I just thought it was very, very well done. Yeah, I did too. And I love your nonfiction pairing. I'm adding that to my list. And I love when you can match up a good fiction with a nonfiction, because like you said, I think it just gives so much more context to the story and helps you appreciate it in a new way. Absolutely. Because in fiction, you really can't get into all of the behind the scenes stuff sometimes without really bogging down the story. But it really will fill in some of the gaps as to how those buildings ended up where they were and what ended up happening to them. Exactly. So what's up next for you? My next read is The Beach Trap by Allie Brady, and this came out on June 14th as well. This is another pleasant surprise light read for me. I initially picked it up because of the summer beach vibes that I was going for, but it was the heartfelt sisterhood that gave the book so much more depth than I had anticipated. The Beach Trap follows childhood friends Kat and Blake, and their relationship crumbled when they realized at a summer camp that they were half-sisters. Years later, they have been estranged since that realization, but they find themselves co-owners of this dilapidated beach house that they inherited from their late father. So this is kind of a reverse parent trap situation where the father is trying to reunite his daughters who had completely different experiences with him as as their father. And so the girls are forced to confront their past as old wounds heal, and then these fresh wounds are surfacing. I thought it was just so interesting how Kat and Blake each knew this completely different side of their dad and had distinctly different ideas about what should be done with their beach house. You know, one of them had these nostalgic memories there and the other one just wanted to like sell it and let's get this money and run. This was written by a debut writing duo together, Brady Godfrey and Allison Hammer. And I just loved your interview with them, too, because it was so fun to learn about their writing process and how they came together to make this story. I just loved that this book was more than a summer romance. Like, of course, there's a few, 
you know, love scenes mixed in here, but that just wasn't the the whole point of the story. I just appreciated that there were really unpredictable surprises along the way. And then most of all, I loved how we see the growth of the sisters individually and then collectively as they learn to navigate their complicated family dynamics and as they go through this home renovation. So the Destin Beach setting makes for this perfect summer read. And I just think the story will remind you of the familial ties that ultimately bind us all. So be sure to add The Beach Trap by Allie Brady to your beach bag this summer. That is one of my favorite reads of recent times as well. And it nearly made my list. I just had such trouble getting down to 10. I mean, I could have easily done 15 with the three we've already talked about. I loved Iona Iverson's Rules for Commuting. I mean, there were just so many great books and it was so hard to get down to 10. But I love that one and I loved it for what you described. It wasn't really a rom-com. There is romance, but really the focus is on the relationship between the two sisters. Each sister thought the other sister had it better. And so they had to kind of realize, oh, well, some parts were nice for her. You know, this whole aspect was terrible and vice versa. And the other thing I really liked was that I'm dealing with my father and Alzheimer's and Blake's grandfather is dealing with a lot of those similar issues. And so she's really grappling with how to handle it. And all of that completely resonated with me. I just thought it was so well done. And again, I'm, I it could shove it right into my top 10 because it was so good. Yeah, I think that it's, I'm discovering about my reading, you know, in the last few months that I don't mind a romance if it's kind of a subplot or coincides with another really big theme, you know, um, or part of the story. So this was just one that I really loved. Me too. I just thought it was awesome. And I thought it was fascinating to talk with them and hear how they wrote the book because they do it really differently than a lot of duos do. And so it was fun to listen to that and understand how they did it. Yeah, exactly. Well, what is your last pick? So my last pick is Rogues, True Stories of Grifters, Killers, Rebels, and Crooks by Patrick Radden Keefe, and it comes out June 28th. So I am a huge Patrick Radden Keefe fan. I loved Empire of Pain last year. I found it both chilling and fascinating, and I listened to it, and I literally could not stop listening to it. The whole story was just so fascinating, and I think he does a wonderful job of taking these nonfiction topics and making them page turners. And you just want to keep reading and reading and reading. He just has a great way with that. So Rogues brings together a dozen of Patrick Radden Keefe's most celebrated articles from The New Yorker on the many ways people behave badly. As Keefe says in his preface, they reflect on some of my abiding preoccupations, crime and corruption, secrets and lies, the permeable membrane separating licit and illicit worlds, the bonds of family, and the power of denial. Keith brilliantly explores the intricacies of forging $150,000 vintage wines, examines whether a whistleblower who dared to expose money laundering at a Swiss bank is a hero or a fabulist, spends time in Vietnam with Anthony Bourdain, chronicles the quest to bring a cheerful international black market arms merchant, and profiles a passionate death penalty attorney who represents the worst of the worst. As I said earlier, I'm a huge fan of his. And I read this fabulous collection of pieces from The New Yorker in one sitting. I would finish one and then I would say, oh, I'm just going to read one more until I literally reach the end of the book. And it's not a small book. Not only does Keefe write about fascinating people who engage in all sorts of illicit activities, but he manages to make each story such a page turner. I learned a ton about so many fascinating topics, including how Mark Burnett is responsible for Trump's rise to power, how the brother of a victim of the Lockerbie bombing appears to have solved the case and how significant numbers of collectible wines are fakes. I truly could not put this book down. 
and that is Rogues, True Stories of Grifters, Killers, Rebels, and Crooks by Patrick Radden Keefe, and it comes out June 28th. I am listening to this right now. I just am a few stories in, and it's so, you're right, it's so engaging, even though it's nonfiction. It's just these small little stories that you can get absolutely lost in, and it's just, I don't know, it's just so interesting to hear um, about these rascals, you know, from history and just a fun, really fun nonfiction read. It really is. He just finds the most interesting people to write about. Yeah, I agree. I I think this will be a great nonfiction read for summer because it's not dry at all. And the nice thing about it is you can easily pick it up and put it down because they're all separately distinct stories. So you get to the end of one, you can put it aside when you need to and go back to it. Or like me, you can just sit down and go through them all. So it's very well done. Yeah, that's great. Well, that was a great list of books that we have for these last few months. I know. And it was so fun to see how much we overlapped. I just love your recommendations. And that reinforces how often I listen to what you like. Yeah. And same same to you. It's been so fun listening to your author interviews for a lot of these books that I've loved because it just really enriches the experience so much more too. And we were talking before we recorded about how we already have so many favorites from July and early August. So I can't wait to see what our lists look like for July through September and how many of those overlap. I know there are so many good ones coming out. And so we'll have a good crop of books to choose from. We definitely will. Well, as always, Kelly, thank you so much for coming on the Thoughts from a Page podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's always so fun chatting with you. It truly is. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. If you like this episode, and I hope you did, please follow me on Instagram at Thoughts From a Page. Consider joining my Patreon group to access bonus content and support the podcast. Tell all of your friends about the show and rate it or subscribe to it wherever you listen to your podcasts. I would really appreciate it. The book discussed in this episode can be purchased at my bookshop storefront, and the link is in the show notes. I hope you'll tune in next time. History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the fact from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the Allied powers go too far in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, 
Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon.